Welcome to another fabulous episode of Sports Matters. I'm your host, Kevin Drake, and sitting across from me is my friend and partner in crime, Mr. Matt Bird. How you doing? Not too bad. Can't complain. And then we also have a special guest in studio, a returning guest. We're honored to have your services here, Mr. Anton Lee. Welcome back. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. I know uh, he doesn't like me drag him out of bed this early in the morning. You know, we have a lot of fun here. We had actually had a live performance last week. Remember Fred, he uh, performed live here, did a couple tracks, did one of his hip-hop songs, and he did a nice, really good song with the piano keys by uh, Kenny Aldrich. It was nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. I think that definitely showcased his voice, but uh, Matt was all excited about him because, man, he did show his passion, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He, he had like a, a vein just throbbing <laughs> out of his neck while I was watching him sing. I was like, woo, passion. Speaking of passion i can't think of anything more passionate than these france fans wow what a world cup this is a world cup definitely to remember obviously everybody knows france won four to two la Francaise, la champions <laughs> les blues yes they uh, that was an amazing game regardless of what um happened beforehand i was rooting for croatia that's a team that came from like a war-torn nation all these people that were on well not only just people from croatia in general had to deal with such hardship and then you have this team who is a part of that hardship just come together and go for three consecutive games of full time full of extra yeah of extra extra time extra of overtime time. overtime I, it, it, 360 so they, minutes of football that's just in the round of 16 so they yeah. essentially played two and a half extra games <laughs> If you, if I did the math correctly, like yeah, 120 minutes. Well, yeah, exactly. Another game. They played four games, opposed to what France played three. And France is a very good team. We all know that. I mean, they're stacked. They're stacked. They have uh, one of the youngest men, uh, Mbappe. Mbappe scored. Yeah. Uh, one of the youngest players to score a goal. You know, next to Pele. Pele was obviously the youngest. He actually scored two goals back in 1958. However, the youngest man to ever appear in a World Cup final was Whiteside. Not in the final, but to appear in a World Cup. Uh, just. To be White there. side, yeah, for Northern Ireland. Just beat Pele by just a few days. Very interesting stat right there. And Ronaldo from Brazil, now he's one of the youngest, second youngest to play in a World Cup final, but he didn't score yeah. in that game. With Mbappe, he's the future, right? Like, we're seeing oh, the future right now. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because they're PSG has both Neymar and Mbappe. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there because Real Madrid just lost Ronaldo and they got a whole bunch of money that they're sitting on. I'll tell you what, UV, Armin, who was on a couple weeks ago, big, big soccer fan. The reason why we have Anton because we're going to talk about Wimbledon here in just a moment and that's that's going to be some great, great conversation right there. But Armin's a huge Juventus fan and the fact that they just signed Cristiano Ronaldo, they're actually getting a couple other really good players. So that, that team is going to be... Now they were knocked out in the quarters last year and the Euro champions. So I, I tell you what, that's going to be a team now that's going to finally get over the hump because they've been in the finals, you know, the previous three years. And of course, they've been upended by Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, a couple, actually three straight times. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what Real Madrid does after La La. But in terms of France, they have just so much talent and they have a coach that won a World Cup, by the way, in 1998, Didier Deschamps. Um, unbelievable coach and for them to bring the I think they are either the youngest or the second youngest team in the World Cup to the final and win it all 
speaks volumes to the amount of talent that's coming out of France right now. It's oh, absolutely. The, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a nice setup. We'll see how they do in the Euro Cup. That's coming up next year. Well, they're, they're cropping their players that yeah. were grew up watching that first World Cup in 1998 when they won it on their own home soil. But I tell you what, Croatia, you know, they had a lot of heart. They fought really hard. But they have a great team, too. And your Belgium team. Belgium was good, yeah. You know, actually, I picked them winning third place, but I didn't have them beating England. I had them beating Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no one's <laughs> And friend. I had Croatia beating France in the finals. So I had the right finals matchup. I just hit the wrong team. But, you know, it was like we said before. It was either way. It could have been France. could have been Croatia. It turned out the way it did. So congrats to France. I they mean, got the Tour de France going on right now. So. Here in America, we look at this like, oh, they lost. We didn't win. Oh, this season was a failure. In other parts of the world, they consider a second place or a third place from a team like Croatia a very big success, and that's national news, and you celebrate your second place. And- oh, absolutely. It's huge. Of course you want to win. Everybody wants to win. There's no, there's no doubt about that. The World Cup only comes around once every four years, so it's, of all tournaments, it's, it's the granddaddy. It's the la creme of the creme, so to finish third place to win out and finish third place that is great they're the top four teams i mean france croatia are the top two teams obviously france won this match but we'll see what happens yeah, the we'll future see what looks happens. bright i think the future looks bright here in america american soccer i'm already thinking about 2022 christian palasic we got the young boys i like well, it speaking of soccer before we transition over into tennis we got to welcome a couple of our new students that came along here we got helen burke who was all-american went to high school in thousand oaks uh, larima high school and she's a big time striker can strike from both sides of the field and then they got an awesome midfielder defensive woman Ryan Verhoeven she could play pretty much anywhere in the midfield she's a great defender so two major assets added to the women's soccer team here at UCI so that definitely is going to boost oh, yeah. had a pretty good season last year but you think now adding some really good crop of talent to this team already that's fairly stacked and the women's soccer they've really held the torch so to speak they hold the gold standard for soccer in America yeah, and, and we'll see the U.S. women's team compete in the World Cup in France Absolutely. Uh, next year in 2019. So, I mean, here in America, they've got some good female soccer players, and it sounds like UCI is bringing in some talented ladies. I like it. They are. Uh, and just a side note, yes, the L.A. Rams camp is going to be starting up, and that's uh, the first practice open to the public is July 26th. Well, I'm sure we'll see you all out here. There's yeah, they be a lot of crazy fans coming out for that. They got to do the dirty work first. You know, they got they to to get some team camaraderie with this new and talented team. They got a really talented team on they paper. They do. You got the offensive player of the year. Todd Gurley, the defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald, and the coach of the year, Sean McVay. It's like, now what's the challenge? Because last year was, I wouldn't say easy, it was a big challenge to come in and take a four-win team and turn them into a playoff team. Now, these men want to win a championship. It's It's championship or bust, it seems like. Well, uh, that's that's going a little bit far because you never know. They want to win a championship. They do want to win a championship. Every team wants to win a championship, but to say that this is a championship or bust team, they've got a few years on them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so, so, and, and I, I really hope that this team develops the chemistry because the one thing that I kind of, I look at it, they got a lot of off-season additions and a lot of players that I like and I like what the moves that they made. So they got to come together as a cohesive unit. Bringing in a guy like Marcus Peters who's an, an all-pro at coverage in the cornerback position was great. Bringing in a tough-minded Adamican Sue, that was an amazing addition 
for them, and then bringing in Brandon Cooks, a speedster that they needed. Oh, I forgot to, about that. Yeah, so yeah. so you're you're gonna have some talented weapons out there for. Well, it, it, we're for also McVay. gonna see the offense grow even more. So. Oh yeah, they're gonna have. They're gonna be more explosive and more knowledge. They're yes. gonna be smarter about the system that they're running. So I it, mean, Philadelphia's the team to beat in the NFC. We know that. So and the Rams are not too far behind them at all. Even that slugfest they had last year here. Yeah, I, I don't think the Rams are that far off. No, That's they're definitely not. I, I really think they have a great chance. I mean, this is a championship contender. Rams. I agree with you, but I'm yeah. saying that, that you know when they it's not a championship or bust. I think the the Rams have I'm just longevity. Saying the players' mind. It's like you know we want to win a championship this year. Of course. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying, yeah. but they got longevity. Yeah. Like they, they're going to be good for a while. Well, the reason why we have Anton on today, well, first of all, we're so happy to have you. Another big thing that happened that got overshadowed by the World Cup was Wimbledon. Because I have to say, would you agree? Was this one of the strangest Wimbledon that you've watched? Because I know you watch just about every tournament that's out there. Uh, yeah, it was uh, different than most Wimbledons, but it was all about the climate condition in England this year. It was really How dry. so? It was a little dry. So the ball was bouncing high. It didn't play like a normal grass court. It was cl- playing closer to clay. So a lot of the sl- uh, slower players were taking advantage of it. And the people exp- expecting the speed of um, grass were kind of disappointed because it wasn't moving as quickly as uh, it should have. You think that's why Nadal made it to the semis? That's uh, one of the reasons why he made it all the way uh, this far. I was talking to a um, guy over at uh, my job. He actually lived, lives about two blocks away from stadiums at Wimbledon. And he was talking about the whole entire conditions he, he was uh, dealing with there. And it's like, yeah, it's the weirdest uh, time. Normally it's raining all the time in England and it just dried up. So with it being so dry, is it faster but the ball's bouncing higher? No, it actually slows down the ball. It slows because down. The wetter the conditions, the more slick the surface, the more slides, the more uh, right. speed it picks up. When it dries out, it um, kind of like becomes rough, so it grips the ball, so the ball uh, takes away all the pace off the ball. I see, I see. So when it's drier out, it just it, it slows the ball down just a mm-hmm. touch, and it just ch- it completely changes the game. It's just someone like Federer, you know, who is used to is built for the speed game, so to speak. Yeah, he's uh, primarily on a faster court. That's why you see his success on mostly Wimbledon and uh, hard courts. On clay court, he's decent, but he's not going to be dominant on something like that. Well, speaking of that matchup, you know, Federer versus Anderson, Kevin Anderson, that was in the quarterfinals, and that's where... Federer was up two sets to none, and then somehow, well, he lost the match. <laughs> How did that happen? That is kind of hard to explain because I was watching the match, and Federer was not playing bad at all. It was just uh, Kevin Anderson hunkered down, and he just couldn't break his serve at that point. He just stopped giving away games, and that's what uh, basically happened. And Federer wasn't playing bad. He was actually playing really solid tennis. The guy just stepped up his game to the point where Federer couldn't break him, and that's all it took. Because Kevin Anderson, he's known as was six foot eight, so he's a big serve type of guy. Yeah. And once his serve got on, it just it's it was hard to break his serve. Well, he's similar to John Isner from America or Ivo Karlovic. Uh, they once they got their serves coming, it's really hard to defend against. They hit those angles. That's what the height gives them, is that 
massive angles, so you can't get a purchase on the ball. That's crazy. Got anything to add to that one? I was thinking about the women's side. I mean, you yeah. guys were talking about how right. crazy that was. I think it was crazy that, you know, A, Serena was that low of rank to begin with, but, and then she jumped up all those spots just now. Um, but Where, I, what, what is it? Did you check her ranking right now today? So it says she climbed up 153 spots to 30th. So she's 30th yeah, now. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. Because uh, she made it to the finals of uh, Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah. And that's a roughly, I think, a thousand points in itself. Yeah. Which, uh, if you actually look at how many points the girls uh, have, you get like 3,000, 4,000 points. You're a uh, top 10 player. You get a good, uh, a couple good um, tournament entries. And that's what the Serena was waiting for. That's what she needed. So now she's going to have a more of a solid. Uh, seating coming into the next tournaments. She did get uh, kind of fortunate that uh, Wimbledon decided to give her uh, 25th seating. Supakova kind of was pissed off about it because she was at the 32 seating and got knocked out seating. So those seatings help because you don't have to face top players right away. And she did get really fortunate that the top 10 players basically got knocked out by the round of 16. That she didn't have to really face anyone big going into the finals. That's true, because when it got to the quarterfinals, top 10 players were out. I mean, the highest ranked was Angelica Kerber, mm-hmm. yeah. who ultimately ended up winning, as everyone knows. What? But, I mean, that was it still was a great, I mean, Ostapenko. I mean, Kerber took out Ostapenko. And oh. just the fact that Serena, after 10 months, after having all those complications, you know, with her pregnancy, just to get to the finals, yes, I know it was, you know, the top 10 of the field was out, but still she fought her way to the Wimbledon final and went as far as you can go. But then just came up short in the end. Do you think that the grass kind of played a factor into the ten ladies, the top ten, having such trouble there? Uh, probably did. Like I said, the conditions. A lot of the girls prefer, especially uh, the not the hard hitters, prefer a uh, faster court to help make up for the fact that they don't uh, hit the ball as hard. Big hitters like uh, Serena Williams really take advantage of the slower conditions because they can hit through a slow condition and keep the pace up. That's why you have people like um, Simona Halep going out early. Though, which is amazing is she won um, the French Open a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But that was actually a little bit more wetter, kind of like a, a little bit faster yeah. condition this year around. Yeah, I can see that. It definitely, it definitely throws the game off a bit, especially when you're designed, when you're used to playing on grass a certain way. And, you know, like you say, it's usually rainy in England. I mean, come on. I mean, who, who does think that England have dry conditions like we have out here in California? Certainly uh, has a lot to play in. So to make that adjustment, I guess, being a top-tier player. But you think a player like Serena Williams, though, she is a very powerful player player too so it, even if the conditions slow down she's able to tee off on it yeah basically that's a it gives her an advantage and it was good to see her the, coming back into form she's still her feet her foot speed's slow it's kind of like she wasn't moving as well as she, as she normally does but i would say the next this year is going to be her just getting her feet uh, back next year you'll see some big things from her i'm sure i mean she's not finished you know what do you think 24 25 grand slams i mean it's it's unprecedented what she's been doing well when you look at it uh, with how she hits the ball there's not really anybody out there the only uh some of the young uh, crop of players coming up uh, are hard hitters but the only one who really hit the ball as hard as, as her was uh, Sharapova. And ever since she injured her uh, shoulder a couple of years ago, 
uh, she's just been dragging. And she's never really come back after her suspension anyways. What about Osaka? What do you think of her? Is she a pretty powerful type player? Or does she got a little bit of mixture of both? A little bit uh, more awkward. She's not as powerful. Um, when you want to look at the um, power hitters, uh, kind of like uh, Camilla Georgie, who I think is... I forgot who she played on the match. She played uh, Serena Williams in the semis. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and Serena pretty much handled her pretty good. 6'2", 6'4", as a matter of fact. Yeah, well, when she's on, she can uh, play out the match. I was actually surprised she got that far. But uh, but like you said, the conditions were different, and the top 10 of the field was already out by the quarterfinals. <laughs> so just a different scenario this time around. Just a weird Wimbledon, but go ahead, finish your thought. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, well, I was just pointing her out because uh, she's the type that... Um, can hit through the ball yeah. and hit at that pace. Problem is, she has no subtlety in her uh, game, so if it's, that's not working, she doesn't have a plan B to go to. Matt, he's got an interesting stat here. Now, there was a, these big serve guys like John Isner and Kevin Anderson. They actually faced off in the uh, the semis. The two tallest tennis players? Pretty Are, much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 6'10 <laughs> versus 6'8, yeah. So the I big see, yeah. serve guys. They had that epic fifth set where Anderson ended up edging out John Isner, 26-24. But how many serves did Anderson do just that entire match? Well, the, I'm not exactly sure. I was looking for the, uh, yeah. the stat. I think I heard during, uh, during the match... Uh, he did like 280-something serves. So imagine if a pitcher time. pitches 280 pitch count. <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt that would ever happen in the MLB because your arm would be like just a noodle arm now, We saw down. Verlander go to the distance you know, when we went to the only Angel game that we went to, and they lost two to nothing, and I think he threw like 134 pitches. Yeah, but he's a workhorse. I mean, like Justin Verlander is probably the last of his generation of workhorse pitchers. We're starting to see the age of generation where people are going to start playing relief pitchers in the very beginning of ball game to try to throw teams off. I'm serious too. It's like start the, off with the closer. No, start off with John Isner. So it was a uh, we're mixing sports. We're here. mixing sports, but it's kind of interesting that the Tampa Bay Delvarays have done that. They they've had Sergio Romo, who's their their middle relief pitcher, come in and start the ball game. And the theory behind it is, you, once you get to the third time you see someone, your odds of hitting the ball or having any sort of success against the pitcher goes up dramatically. True. So they're figuring, let's get a guy, have him have a different look, and then only have him see him twice. It's very smart. Like they're starting to do a lot of really intelligent things based off of this analytic yeah, movement in baseball. Exactly. They'll, you know, money ball, statistics, the, the logistics, like you said, the analytics. and Some people a, hate we, it. We had a huge, huge semifinal matchup in Wimbledon. I got to get to this one because two of the big heavyweights in tennis, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. Yeah, you ever heard that name in a while? Novak Djokovic. Well, yeah, it's been yeah. two years since he's even won a major. I just heard it. He slam. just won, didn't he? Yes, he did. But this is in the semifinals. Now, honestly, I thought... Well, that was pretty much the finals. Whoever won that match was going to win the tournament. Uh, Kevin Anderson wasn't going to have another five-set match left in him to go into uh, finals. He'd already played Federer five uh, five sets and had a marathon with John Isner. So whoever won the Nadal-Djokovic match won, and they actually made that uh, semifinal match worth watching. It was definitely a match of the ages, and it really came down to it. They were interviewing Rafael Nadal afterwards because in the fifth set, he lost 10-8, to eight, and they said, do you have any regrets? He goes, absolutely none. 
because I have no regrets. Just basically, Djokovic got the break. He says we are playing the high-level competition. Every now and again, you might miss a ball here and there. It's just because the intensity that they're playing at. I watched those last two sets, and it was just hard fought because they actually got suspended because of the marathon match. It got suspended to the following day. That's another weird thing that happened. <laughs> well, what's funny was uh, they haven't had a semifinal match go into the next day since 2007. And the last time it went to uh, the next day, it was actually Nadal and Djokovic uh, once again having to uh, c- carry on. But the last time uh, that happened was due to light. So it's kind of interesting them uh, having to continue now that they have lights and a roof over Wimbledon. Just like Wrigley Field got lights way back in the day. And then, of course, Djokovic winning his 13th Grand Slam. So he's right up there. One behind Pete Sampras at 14. And, of course, you know, Nadal's sitting on 17. And, and the Roger, man. 20. Yeah, U.S. Open's going to be big this year. Uh, it's going to be interesting seeing where everyone's at and the race for number one in the battle of all these uh, legends. It's going to be interesting year. So do you think Roger Federer comes back strong in the U.S. Open? It just comes down to the, how lucky he gets on the draw. That's uh, oh, what really uh, matters most. If he has um, short matches, he's going to go strong go deep into U.S. Open, but if he gets um, a bad draw where he's uh, forced to play longer matches, age, this is where age catches up to you. At 36, you can't uh, ha- you don't have many five-set matches to win a tournament anymore. Pushing 37. You know, he's close to be turning 37 here soon. Oh, yeah, sometime. Yeah, after the U.S. Open. It's going to be amazing. Now, Tony and I, we're actually going to the Australian Open beginning of 2019, so we're hoping, cool. to, we're hoping to catch Federer in the semis. Oh, yeah, that'll be fun. And maybe we could do a live, I don't know, he's got all this technology, but, you know, get Tom on board. We could do a, I give you a live update. A live tennis update? A live tennis update. So there would be midnight, but here would be 8 in the morning. <laughs> and I'm our, here's what's going on our the Australian Austra- Open. Our Australian Open correspondent, Kevin Drake. Yeah, for the first time ever. You'll never have this on any other sports show, I'll tell you that. Season four. Well, it'll still be season three. Oh, it'll still be yeah. season Okay. And we got to remember, seasons, though, for us, it's the entire year. I was I got confused because <laughs> there's different seasons in Australia. It'll be a, a new season for tennis. It'll be a new course. season for tennis. But think about this. Okay, so the Wimbledon just happened. Right now, they got the last grass court tournament going on in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, the Dell Tech Technologies, eight little ATP 250. But think about it. You got one, two, three, four, five. There's probably like 14 tennis tournaments before the U.S. Open. Yeah. So there's a lot more than that. And I mean, it, it could be a lot more. I'm, I'm just, this is just the ATP that I printed out. So we got a while. So well, I'm just saying, there, there's actually a lot a more lot of things that can happen actually, that actually is played. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't realize how much tennis is actually played every single week. Uh, we're just uh, talking about uh, ATP 250, 500s. There's uh, challenger tournaments and future tournaments happening every week. Uh, a buddy of mine that's actually big into sports betting actually it started pointing out how much tennis is being played every week. <laughs> yeah. He's going, he's uh, just showing up and going, oh, there's like five tournaments going on. I'm like, there is. It'll be kind of interesting to see with sports betting and tennis because the one thing that I worry about when it comes to sports betting is anything that doesn't involve a team because it's one individual. For example, horse racing and boxing, MMA, those are tend to be some of the more fixed sports. Do you know have any sort of information of how they're going to regulate? Well, you, you have to understand that uh, tennis is actually international. 
Yeah. Well, they don't, uh, sports betting's been legal in tennis in almost every other country forever. Hence the scoring was, was predominantly on betting. Oh, yeah. The scoring was all based on betting. It was, uh, back when the game came out, they were gambling. That's why it has a weird scoring system. 15, uh, 30, 45 in game. That's how much they were betting uh, per each uh, point. But uh, no, it's always had betting in it because, like I said, international. Uh, five Dimes, one of the biggest offshore uh, betting places in uh, England, uh, has some of the uh, biggest uh, coverage on the betting. So I don't think it's going to affect uh, tennis all that much because it's nothing new being brought into it. It's just Americans are going to be betting in it. Not a big deal. They've been doing it in Vegas for a long time, and it hasn't changed anything. Sports betting affects is the big, uh, big games we have here, like football, basketball, hockey, because there hasn't been a lot of betting in the United States on these, and they're directly affected by it. It has more of to do with the effect of revenue for the league itself. I think that's where the biggest issue is, is because the NBA and the MLB are, are on board with it. In fact, the NBA, before this even came out and New Jersey said anything, they went and they said, okay, we're going to allow, we're going to think about allowing sports betting through our league-sponsored betting site, and we're going to take some of the profits. Same with the MLB came out and said that. It's the NFL that is, is kind of like, all right, well, we don't really like this it's not really kind of that's also why they call it the the nfl the no fun league they don't want to allow any sort of like any sort of extracurricular activity in general it just to to me when you look at that that's why i was kind of apprehensive about teams going to las vegas or to different sites is because you have all these things and now that the commissioner of the sec is saying that you have to submit an injury report of all the players that are injured to the league's office way before the games play so that they're going to say you need to submit the injury report because it has a direct effect with betting with the betting lines yes. yeah with the betting yes. lines so it's it's like it's affecting everything and it's kind of why i was i was saying that is because you tend to see sports with like sumo wrestling is so fixed like you go there's a freakonomics podcast you can go back and listen to it but any sort of sport that has like even you can even say golf but i, I don't i don't know that much but i haven't heard much about golf um, yeah, but you know also too you gotta look at this especially as a tennis player and tony knows this if if you don't finish like deep in some of these tournaments you know the chances are you, then you'll have to do the qualifiers just to qualify to get in and, and it just it's just such a harder road to get into these tournaments so the last thing you want to do is throw a match yeah it's only going to hurt you if you lose your ranking points uh, one of the complaints was about uh, when serena went out uh for her pregnancy was she was gone for a year so she lost all her points and she was starting from ground zero so she had no seating going into tournaments as you can see, she was seated just 25th in uh, Wimbledon. She doesn't have a seating because her rank wasn't high enough, but they gave her one anyways, just because it's Serena. It helped her win a tournament. Before, uh, she in the first couple tournaments, she had no uh, seating, so she's running into people in the first round and losing in the first second round. She's uh, hitting uh, top 10 players in the beginning. That makes a big difference. It makes your road to your championship a lot easier. That and plus, I think you uh, when you lose in Wimbledon in the first round, it's thirty-five thousand dollars. To get to the second round, you double your money. You're at sixty-five thousand dollars. So, are you throwing a, a match? Oh, I can get like ten thousand dollars now 
oh, and take my sixty-five, or do I go to the next round and get one hundred thirty thousand? Get one hundred thirty thousand. It actually your money incrementally doubles. Each so time. what do you say is tennis a structure in a sense where it doesn't do you any benefit to do any do ill will or throw a game so to speak? Yeah, you you have and a I point. Think golf is the same way too. I mean, like golf is the same way. Like yeah. you, you want to finish first, but, but I could see it, you know, in fighting and whatnot because there's a lot of money on certain things and it's more yeah. it's easier to control because you can just shower with cash and. And it's one fight uh, in uh, boxing or stuff like that. It's one fight you can come back and do it again unless it's your champion match but if you don't think you can take the person in a championship match it's kind of like point shaving go down a certain round and uh, yeah make the money and that's like the big thing against box i just like any sort of i wanted to know that's why i asked this question is is how do they kind of structure against that yeah but, and now you know it's, now it's, i know yeah because like that's the one thing that uh, that that's my biggest pet peeve about sports is when someone you know like and there's been so many instances in the past. Well, you're never going to eliminate it all because people. There's going to be people in the middle that uh, aren't going to be success, as successful. But one of the reasons why sports betting is actually important, uh, especially to struggling leagues and stuff like that, is it's going to bring up viewership. I've seen how sports betting turns people who could care less about sports into avid viewers, and that's what's uh, struggling. I'm actually somewhat su- surprised at that. NFL is actually dragging feet on it because their viewership is hurting a little bit right now and they probably need something to bring people's uh, watching the TVs again. Well, fantasy football is huge. Even with their decline in viewership, they are still the most watched league by far. They're doing a lot of things right. It's just they are so... They're very old school in the way that they do things. And I, I, I'm not, like, bagging on the NFL or anything because I love the NFL. I sit here and I watch. I'm an avid viewer. The thing about the NFL is they don't catch up with what else is going on. Like, it took them so long to kind of, like, be in the forefront of things. Yeah, well, the problem is they don't have enough games. Uh, so, yeah, they might be the most watched, but if you only have 16 games to watch in a year, you're the, you're, are you really the most watched? Well, baseball, you might... Uh, it's like attendance. One of the reasons why baseball still doesn't have a salary cap is they have a hundred. What's the hundred and sixty-two games a yeah, year? And the, the Angels averaged three million people over the last, I think it was fourteen to fifteen years, or maybe fifteen to sixteen. So three million people have been to the baseball games, have bought a ticket, and bought all the everything else. And you think about it, you packed a Superdome down in New Orleans, even 90,000 people, you know, times, let's say they, Nine, they have home field advantage, so just say times 10. So let's see. I'm That's 900,000 people. I'm pulling out my calculator. So 90,000 people, and so they play, there's so 16 games, they play eight games yeah. at home. So seven, 720. 720. Yeah. But what, what I think the viewership is... Like those are the attendance is one thing, but the viewership in the NFL it comes from TV. Oh yes, that's where a lot of the revenue comes from is from television. Television yeah. sponsorships, like that's where the driving revenue for the NFL is. But yeah, but the driving revenue is based on contracts already made on the higher or um, viewership levels. When the renegotiations are coming, uh, when those contracts expire, when they're looking at. We're lost, we lost 40% of our viewer, viewership, their new contracts aren't going to come in as nice and juicy as 
the previous contracts. The NFL has a few things going against it. It's the CTE thing. People right. are starting to wake up their eyes. And, and the fact that the NFL was not in the forefront and being like, the whole issue against the NFL is that it's a dangerous contact sport. You should have realized this before you started, you know? You're running full speed at someone with the intent to try to hit them as hard as possible. you also got to look at the NFL because it's such a money-making machine that they just over look those things and they look more at the bottom line and yes you know you look at a lot of these players you but you think about the average nfl player that comes out of college not like the top stars but just like the average players they think oh i'm gonna have a 10-year career and it turns out they average they have like three-year career and three that's year it. and yeah that's yeah. it and then they and spend it's like, all the what money. do you do after that they've been playing football all their lives what do you do actually i met a gentleman that hopefully he'll be a guest on our show down the road uh played at auburn that's what he does he just created a, a new foundation a new business on how to educate football players players because it happened to him he played three years in the nfl and that was it boom he couldn't get he couldn't get a job anywhere it wasn't that that, uh they didn't like him it wasn't that he was physically capable nfl just so cutthroat it's so hard to to succeed in the nfl you you look at the percentages of high school athletes that play in the nfl it's one percent one percent of all high school athletes will make it into the nfl i didn't say have a long career in the nfl right that's a higher percentage than i thought it would be yeah. Well, there's so many people playing football in high school, uh, high school level, especially in the uh, states like Texas and stuff like that, where it's, uh, their football programs are pretty big. Well, you went to high school. What? You only one player made in the NFL. Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, but he made it pretty big. Yeah, he made it pretty <laughs> he did, big. He did pretty well for himself. <laughs> Hall of Famer. That's crazy, but I mean, I, I love watching the NFL, it, and football is going to change. Like, it's, it has changed a lot. They, they're just slow about change. Yeah, exactly, Matt. It's The problem is you got this old-school way of thinking, and they just don't want to break the circuit. They don't want to uh, adapt to change. Well, I'm sorry. You're going to have to adapt to change because the world is always changing. So speaking of change, do you think tennis should change in any way to advance the game? Uh, they're looking at different ways to kind of speed things up. The on-court uh, on calling to the Hawkeye system uh, kind of uh, will judge over line judges. They're uh, looking at things like that. Um. There's always the discussions about dropping the um, uh, unlimited fifth set on the Grand Slams so we don't have those marathons. But then again, we lose all the drama of those uh, Isner-Anderson matches where it goes six to eight hours. But that is a little bit ridiculous for most people. Yeah, that, that's the one thing. I'm glad you touched on that because that's the one thing that's going against baseball right now. It's, it's three hours and no one wants to sit there for three hours because we, we're starting to see the generations of having smartphones in our hands and seeing highlights. And, and it's just like we want to see things now. Now. It's got to go quick. It What's is fun happen? when you're at the ballpark, even yeah. at the game that it's we went to. It's a lot of fun. It, it was relatively boring, but there was a lot of stuff going on around because, you know, you got you – got, just people watching alone and all the activities well, that go on but i know what you're saying when was the last time i'm not trying to say but when was the last time you've start, watched a baseball game from start to finish i have it i exactly now, <laughs> if i'm working actually i know we yeah. uh angel stadium a couple years ago we were watching uh the cincinnati reds and the only reason we watched it from uh, beginning to end was we were field level. Yeah, we had some nice seats. So you were in the st- – okay. But we, I meant like on TV. He's talking about on TV, oh. not at the game. So I, what yeah, you do is – I have I, – the, the point is I computer, have it either. I, I'll, uh, I'll have game day on, and I'll just like click back and forth just to see what the score is. Yeah. Because uh, – my that, Cincinnati Reds have kind of been hot. They have the number four offense in MLB. Can you believe that? That's the crazy. The number four offense just need pitching. 
But that people aren't going to sit and watch an MLB game like they used to. Like the last time I watched a full MLB game was where the Giants were in the World Series, well, and that was a that's, special that's occasion. When it, most people would would watch it. Is so, when it, when it's the, the championship or game. like the playoffs. So is, so for me, to, to, them having a, number one, a hundred and sixty plus games in a season on top of everything else it's just like wow i I agree i think it's too long of a season (laughs) you have to be really passionate to to watch every game major league baseball really wants to make money really jack up their revenue it's like take 20 games off the regular season and just let's just have three rounds of playoffs first round best of three second round best of five third round best of seven i don't know you know, something I, along, I, well, they already revenue, have it. Best of five, best of seven, best of seven. From a revenue standpoint, that sounds good. But uh, when you take away those games, uh, it's the cheap games. One reason why baseball is so popular to go to is you can go there relatively inexpensively and enjoy yourself. True. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, watch the game. That's why you have uh, tons of people showing up at Angel games at any given night. I don't know what the average uh, attendance is. But the, the Angels are one of the best franchises in terms of attendance. Like they're historically because they do things right. Artie Marino makes an effort to make things cheap so that people can go and enjoy themselves. You could go and you could get a beer, a hat, and a hot dog, and it'll be under twenty five dollars. Now I'm not talking about the fancy new era hat, but the ones that the Angels make. The Angels make a certain brand of hats. They sponsor with one of these companies, and you could go and get a hat. For seven dollars, you could get a beer for five dollars, and you could get a hot dog for four. And that makes it for a, a great deal for tonight. That's yeah. So, so the Angels are, are a prime example of, of how to do it right. Actually, the Dodgers have the best attendance or average. Well, obviously, because they're a great team. Forty-six thousand seven hundred forty-seven is their average attendance. They're already at two point four million. Then, then the Yankees just shy of two million at forty-two thousand average. St. Louis. Yeah, they're very passionate. Forty-two thousand, but you're right. The Angels are right there at one point seven five, one million seven hundred fifty thousand. They average about thirty-seven thousand per game, which is amazing. And, yeah. and, and think about this: last year when they didn't have Otani, they're still doing these numbers. So it's kind of crazy that even they they add all these great pieces that people want to see. You want to hear what the Miami Marlins attendance is? Oh, I want to hear it. Yeah, ninety-five hundred. Oh my! <laughs> wow, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, or the Rays, and they're at almost at 15000 per game. So they're not even cracking 10000 So we, we're blessed to have such great sports around us as, in think, here in Southern uh, California. And there's some great players that come from Cuba, and, and, and it's like Miami, really? Miami's just not a baseball town. Never was. Yeah, unless they're good, then people go to it. But the Angels Not even that. They've won two World Series, and, and look at them. There's just no loyalty. Like, you look at, like, the Red Sox. I mean, they're number nine. Obviously, they're they're a pretty good team. Or even the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs stunk it up for, for a century. I wouldn't say stunk it up, but they had some good teams over those years. But for the most part... They were at the top yeah. of the attendance list. It's hard to get tickets for, like, Red Sox, Chicago Cubs games. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where viewership's kind of headed. I mean, with the the age of esports coming, it'll be interesting to see kind of where that heads and um, how people kind of. Hey, you to got a little taste of that, that too, because you kind of worked in that field for a little bit there. Yeah, it, it, it's kinda like that. You know, there will be a Netflix of sports somewhere along the line. Oh, just, I think it's just so preliminary. It's right now ESPN. Um, 
right now ESPN kind of made the biggest power move there is in trying to get their ESPN Plus, which you pay $5 a month. You think about everything else. Amazon Prime, $12 a month. You think about Netflix, that's $10 a month. ESPN went with a lower price point and gave you all this great sports program, and you can watch live baseball games, live hockey games, live NBA games. You can do all this on the NFL NFL is not on board with this. The NFL is going to keep their prime ticket idea, but they, they give you select games that they will broadcast. Yes. It's for $5 a month. Yes. So th- yeah. they just basically took that. And the other thing is, is with eSports, it's called Twitch. Will it include tennis, I wonder? Is it all sports? No, I think uh, they, they show boxing matches. They might. Tennis cha- uh, tennis is pretty much covered by Tennis Channel. And they uh, Tennis Channel actually has their Tennis Channel Plus all right so it streams like 10 or 15 different uh tennis matches on a regular basis of different tournaments okay they've been doing that for probably about past two years so that probably spawned the idea with espn like hey let's jump on board let's do something like that they probably saw how well it's working but tennis is such a specialized thing it's kind of hard for people to see anything but the grand slams so they reached out to find ways to watch uh, tournaments like i said there's uh, almost any given week there's three four tournaments going on and it's kind of hard to watch it and apparently the women's tennis association uh decided to go on a different system i'm not even sure where they're uh showing their uh tennis tournaments on wow we'll see what ends up happening i mean we've had we went through so long of having cable tv being kind of like my the way my grandpa describes it going to the cafeteria and you get a scoop of everything and you have to pay for everything people don't want the world of sports on the weekends way back in the day (laughs) when there wasn't cable i mean (laughs) it's come a long way it's come a long way if you're speaking of your grandfather because he probably remembers that yeah (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised remember that tony <laughs> the wide world of sports. I remember it vaguely. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, we got the Rams camp coming up. You know what else is this weekend? What's going on this weekend? One of my favorite tournaments. The U, uh, Not the U.S. Open, but the Open. The Open? The yes. Open is hard. A Lynx course is hard to play that's at. in Scotland, right? It is in Scotland this year. I'm not it's, quite oh, sure. Oh, that's the, the one course. with the deep bunkers. The, the deep insane, bunkers. The insane Tony, winds. bunkers are like six feet. You're like, what the... <laughs> I, I this entire the golf majors this year have been very happy for me because the u.s open was at a really hard place and now they're going to an even tougher place so it's fun i like watching the pros feel what i feel on a golf course you yeah. know it's like uh if they hit it out of the rough where it's not everything's not perfect hey it was kind of fun to watch that at Shinnecock. This will be an interesting tournament coming in. I think the the winner will be Dustin Johnson. That's my bold pick of the day. Is he still number one? He is still, he number, is still one. number one. Okay. He he's number one in all the the categories that matter for this uh, this golf course. Tita Green is a big stat for them. If he chips the ball well, which he has been actually recently, so he might be the hands-on favorite. That's for sure. In terms of the U.S. Open, not the U.S. Open, the Open. Why am I saying the Open will be a fun fun time to watch if you want to get up at 1 a.m. or if you're just coming back from the bars and you want something to watch on TV, the U.S. Open will be on. See, everybody's just gotten used to getting up real early in the morning, 6 a.m. to watch all these World Cup matches <laughs> at 8 o'clock. So now, now, you, now, it's like, yeah, now you, you stay up all night long. And then, of course, tennis but wibbled in the same way. I, you know, I got up early in the morning to watch you know, the rest of the Djokovic and Nadal match. Well, uh, the other the matches were starting at 3 a.m. Yeah. It, it'll be great because 
you're gonna wake up and you're gonna have a cup of coffee and you'll know who the winner is on Sunday. <laughs> you don't have to wait. You don't have to waste your whole day. Go outside, do something. Yeah, to watch golf though, that's that's another one. It's it's like when it gets down to the nitty gritty, like it's the last few holes. It's it's fun to watch, but I couldn't sit there and watch all eighteen holes. Like Sp- speaking, of, yeah, I could not yeah. watch all eight. And you play golf. I you'd play rather golf. be out there playing. Like Tony, yeah. you play tennis. You'd rather be out there playing. Yeah, well, there's tennis is fun to watch. There's something to be said about uh, watching the sport you play. You appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. Uh, versus. Um, just watching a sport you don't even play. Yeah. This sounds like we just won a tournament. Yeah. Like we, we, yeah. You were talking about the Open, and I wanted to play something appropriate. Oh, it's very appropriate. You know, this is very appropriate to golf. Well, coming up next, we got Claudia Chambal to ask a leader. In fact, she actually gave us a link to a baseball historian that you and I got to have on here today. Ooh, I'd love so to ask him I'm going to reach out questions. to him. Absolutely. Ooh. Oh, I'm so excited for and that. And look at there. Oh, she's, she's right here. The gold pain. standard is in the building. Yeah, yeah, she is in the house. She is in the house. And she's got a great show coming up for you. And I think one of her guests has just arrived as well. So, yes, she always showers mats with these gifts, you know, with the sports page and whatnot. But I love it. That's actually how I learned to read. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in here to Sports Matters. Like you said, uh, go to KUCI.org, click Show Schedules. You click on Sports Matters, it'll take you to the latest podcast. There's also TuneIn on our website. You can go right there and you can catch all of our podcasts, all the radio shows that we've done. But until then, I mean, thank you so much, Tony and yeah, thank Lee, you, Tony. for joining us today. And uh, No problem. My pleasure. You, Sorry to get you filled. Up. He fills the void for my lack of tennis knowledge. <laughs> well, he's the tennis expert. This is who I this is who I seek tennis advice from, and that's that's why we're going to Australian Open. I'm, I, it's so much fun. I went to Indian Wells. I didn't realize how much fun it is. It's like it's like a little village, and there's more things going on. The Ryan brothers were uh, performing, and or the Brian brothers, Brian brothers, Brian brothers. Yeah, it's it's basically kind of, I. Uh, say it's always like a festival when you go there. You got people partying all over the place. You got so much stuff going on. You can fill your whole entire day uh, just bouncing around. Be 10 feet away from a, a, one of the biggest names in tennis practicing. And you're like, wow, right there in person. We were standing 10 feet away from Roger Federer. That was pretty cool. You could probably smell him from that distance. <laughs> you smell like sweat. <laughs> and Simona Halep, Coco Vandaway. Yeah, it was great. Well, we've ran out of time here. So uh, thank you for tuning in to Sports Matters.